That was an amazing sound effect. That is the excitement level that we uh, feel here uh, today. So we are going to talk to these fine uh, gentlemen with a focus on uh, fatherhood uh, and uh, husbandship and also really technology. So welcome everyone. My name is Tom Lehman. Uh, Middlemarch is my uh, internet name. My co-hosts are Dove, Dovetail, uh, at Dovetail on Twitter. You'll be able to find it. There's an I in there where you wouldn't expect it. And Piv, at Piv underscore uh, Piv on, on Twitter. And we are Capsule 21, an art collective focused on timeless art. So today, the two co-founders of Indelible Labs, if you have not been living under a rock, you know a lot about this, and we're going to try to give you some new content. If you have been living under a rock for a long time, and you um, are trapped there, and there's no food, and your arm is trapped, you can't escape, and you're listening to this podcast, You'll be happy to know that I'll give you a brief summary, which is Indelible Labs is the first ever no-code tool for creating on-chain NFTs. So if you know about code, you know about no-code, and no-code means basically point and click, and that's very cool because it's easier than coding, and soon everything will be no-code, and Indelible Labs will have to really adapt to that or go out of business on another private plan, but for now, they're in really good shape because there's a lot of code out there, and everyone hates it. And on-chain NFTs are basically NFTs that are better in some way, I'm not the best to explain that. I used to love them. Now I'm jaded, but I go back and forth. So um, why don't we get started and uh, take a quick thing into Capsule you know, 21, or excuse me, into, into Indelible Labs. But then I want to wind the clock back. I want to draw the path so you can see, okay, if I am a person, uh, ideally a young person, you have more of your life ahead of you. I'm 38, so this is not targeted towards me. How can I not just create an NFT, but how can I become one of the co-founders of, of uh, Indelible Labs? I want to learn the story and, you know, the, the most, I checked the demographics, most listeners of this podcast are not actually trapped under rocks, slowly starving to death. So we want to give them new content. They already know about Indelible uh, uh, Labs. So I really want to get some new content, but Michael, what is an on-chain NFT? What is Indelible Labs? What's, what's the deal? Uh, this is again, targeted people under rocks. So, you know, be kind to them. I thought you said that uh, your audience was not uh, people who lived under rocks. I'm this currently is the section whether that's... I'm under a rock or not. Well, are, is your arm, can you move both of your arms? Can you move at will? Is your, yeah, name, pa- is, is your name Patrick? <laughs> I, had to cut, I had to cut one of them off, but, uh, you know. There are very few viewers who are trapped under rocks, but for, for, for them... Let's get the basics because a lot of people out there probably, all right, let's do, let's do engagement farming for a second. How many of y'all don't know about Indelible Labs? Everyone knows. That's amazing. Okay. Now, how many of you are capable of. And not even just for the audience here, this is being recorded. Like you got to set, set the basics. Yes. Okay. So that's true. People, uh, this might be distributed to. Um, hikers as a tape that they can play if they go. Okay, let's get let's get to it. What is a non, what is Indelible Labs? What's an on chain NFT? What's the deal? How can I use it to sure. make money? <laughs> well, I can't guarantee the last, but <laughs> I can guarantee you it'll cost money. Um, but uh, an on chain NFT in its simplest, I guess. Uh, terms would be an NFT where all of the art 
or even if it's not art, if it's just a document or file is stored 100% on the blockchain somewhere uh, that can be accessed on the blockchain. Uh, that is, uh, in its simplest terms, what it is. Uh, so, so why what, is it good? Why, why is it good? Yeah, and the reason that's good is because you are not dependent on anything else as long as, uh, you know, it, really what an NFT is is just a, a token, right? So uh, it guarantees that for the life of your token, which would be the life of the Ethereum blockchain, that whatever it is pointing to will coexist alongside it. So if you, for example, buy a picture, uh, you will be able to see that picture forever. As long as you can determine that you own something, you'll be able to determine what it is, basically, is the idea. Yeah, exactly. And so the alternative to on-chain is where the image links or where it's not on the Ethereum. So what's an example of a not on-chain NFT? Well, the one that is in my hex. Ooh. <laughs> uh, this one was made by, uh, oh gosh. Tom Bonner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and they used Bueno because, uh, well, because they don't care about on-chain as much as they should. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was because of some logic requirements that they needed. But anyways. So you're uh, supporting the, um, the competition with rocking this PFP, and that's because you are trying to bring the space forward. And that's, that's right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You know. but, I, don't, I don't really. But it would have been a perfect project for Indelible Labs, I think. It would have. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, and, so, yeah. So, you know, break that down. so how does it work? Like, okay, no code. So just walk me through, you know, the user experience. If anyone out there wants to use this thing, right, you, you, you can, you, here's, you can, you can imagine what it's like. He's going to tell you about the user experience. And then what is the, what is the sort of landscape? Like what doesn't uh, Indelible Labs do that it might want to do in the future? You know, what's the deal with uh, kind of right. no code stuff? Yeah. So right now the, uh, all you all you need to bring is art that is uh, so if you if, right now it's like focused on gener generative collections, which means that uh, your NFTs are broken up into their traits. Like if it's like you know sunglasses, different skins, different backgrounds, different you know mouths or noses or hats, all of those are like just different files. They're all just different traits that uh, in gener a generative collection is when all those different traits are like randomly put together. Uh, and uh, whereas like something that's not generative would be like a one of one collection. That's like, you know, every piece is, you know, a hundred percent unique and it's not, you know, other NFTs in that same collection aren't sharing the, the different attributes or traits. And so right now uh, we just support generative collections and you just bring all of those traits uh, bro broken up into different files uh, 
to the software and you just drag them all in, drop them, they get uploaded. You tell it which layer uh, to put, you know, put all these hats in a hats layer, put all these mouths in a mouth layer, skins in a skin layer, etc. And then uh, you give them all probabilities. As soon as that's done, uh, you just deploy. Uh, it's really that easy. Uh, but the limitations around it right now are file size because um, it has to be able to render the uh, the outputted image that you see in under 30 million gas. With uh, anything that's over 30 million would cause it to revert uh, the transaction revert or the request, I guess, on the view method. Uh, and so that would just basically cause none of your NFTs to load anywhere. Uh, so there's limitations around that. Uh, the limitation that we have in place right now is that every image needs to be under two kilobytes. So every trait needs to be under two kilobytes, every file. Uh, and so that's why you'll see a lot of them that are like pixel art because you can bring these super tiny like 32 by 32 pixel PNG files and they're like you know on average I think between like 200 and 500 bytes which is way under the limit and also super cheap to upload and the software, whenever it renders them, it will just scale those tiny PNGs uh, infinitely uh, and uh, basically render it as a vector image uh, in a way. Uh, the other option is to use SVG files if you don't want pixel art. And we've had some collections launch using SVG files like the one that uh, Rob has as his PFP. Uh, but again, you're, you know, you're locked into the two kilobyte file size. So there's, you have to be creative in how you can design the SVGs so that each trait is under, under that uh, file size limit. So let me ask this question. So this is very interesting. So file size limit is important because, you know, of cost, basically, like there's no physical limitation of this, you know, overall approach. You can do anything, but really you want to keep the file size down and keep the cost low. So how much is it going? If I it's, use them, it's not the cost. It's not the cost. I mean, we could, I mean, if someone wants to spend more, I don't, I mean, I don't mind lifting limits if people want to pay more uh, to get more data uploaded. It's, it's the, it's the rendering of it whenever it is all coming together. You know, you have these, uh, every, every file is converted in the view method from bytes to base 64. And then all those strings are concatenated together. And so the larger that every file is <clears throat> and the amount of layers that you have will eventually cause that view method to run out of gas, which has a 30 million, 30 million gas limit. All right. This is a good point, right? So the, the, the expense on the view side is the base 64-ing and you're base 64-ing multiple things and then you're base 64-ing all of that. And yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I think 
long term, yeah. the gas limit, and even with like providers like Alchemy and so forth, like you can get around that yeah, uh, exactly. limit. So maybe the gas limit. I, I definitely but see for max that compatibility. But... I agree that it's good, but cost is a meme for this kind of thing. Uh, so, sure. what what is the um, what's it going to cost me to deploy a collection on Indelible Labs? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the GUI. Um, but if I think like. I think Gway on average at night has gotten down, well, my night, I guess it depends on what side of the globe you're on, but uh, in the middle of the night for me here in the States, uh, which would be freaking amazing to like live on the other side and not have to stay up until the middle of the night to get cheap Gway. But anyways, um, I think it's gotten down like under 10, right? On, on so say it's 10, for example. So, say it let's say 10. it's 10 uh, and you have like a typical, like just the average collection. Uh, so we'll say like just pixel art and say like a hundred traits. Uh, uh, I mean, you could release one for like 0. 0.3. ETH. 0. 0.3. And how much is that in dollars these days? What is, what is ETH at? ETH is still at like 4,000, right? 15, or what, I think it, it yeah, 15,000, 14, 15,000, I think. I haven't checked the price of ETH since January, so this is a good opportunity, has it? Yeah. No, 14, 1,500, not 1,000. Uh, okay, so say 500 <laughs> I bucks. I wish. Or 400 bucks. So let's call it 400 bucks, right? And so I guess the idea is that might seem expensive versus a tool that could be even be free, like I'm sure Bueno has some free thing, or you could use IPFS or whatever. Yeah, but the yeah. cool thing is once you do this, you're done. You know, unless Ethereum exactly. itself goes away, you are never exactly. have to pay again. And not only paying, there's something called paying, which is like your attention. And what you better be paying attention is you think, God, oh, did I remember to freaking my credit card expired, whatever thing, you know, it's very easy. Like the most effective way to attack someone, I think, is for their, you know, if you want to delete all of someone's stuff of Amazon, you, um, just make them forget their credit card number and make them forget the expiry. And then it gets, you know, deleted uh, uh, automatically. If you want to cancel a service, I was once trying to cancel this service that like needed all these security questions to cancel it. I said, okay, don't pay for it. And it's, it's canceled. That's the sort of uh, life hack to exactly uh, cancel something or really <laughs> messing yourself up for this. You can't now yeah. it's actually kind of scary because you don't like it. Yeah. You'll never be able to take it away. But you know, the, the question of on chain is just whether you look at that $400 and say, Hey, that's really expensive. Or when you look at that and say, Hey, that's the cheapest thing I've ever seen. And that's kind of yeah. the, um, you know, so what, um, yeah. So for Bueno, uh, for example, and, uh, and you know, Bueno does a lot of things that are really cool. I mean, I, I love having competitors cause they give me, you know, things to pull ideas from, but, uh, what they do is, um, uh, I think by default, um, is they put all of theirs on their API. Uh, so they, they store all of your NFTs on their, uh, on their service, on their servers that are, you know, on some cloud service like AWS or whatever. Uh, so it's not IPFS, but they do give you the ability to, I think, migrate it to IPFS. Uh, but by default, it's on, on their API. And I think that they do that for free. I think I could be wrong. Uh, uh, and so, if you if that's like all you want, then I mean, you know, that's like definitely the cheapest route. But you know, that's the furthest thing from them living forever, because <laughs> you know, Bueno is not going to be around forever because we're going to take them over. 
Uh, so eventually you're going to lead everyone's stuff. Yes. Punish them. They so eventually, punished. eventually their APIs are going to go down. Effing with but, you. Uh, Not F with the double abs out there. If you're trapped under a rock, don't do it. <laughs> you got bigger um, problems. But, uh, you know, if, 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 but say, you know, you move it over to IPFS. Well, now you have to either have your own, uh, node running IPFS that is pinging or, uh, pinning your files on IPFS so they don't disappear. Or you can pay a service like Pinata to pin your files on IPFS. But to get to what you were saying, at the end of the day, both of those options are going to cost you. Something I think Pinata has uh, like a, a limit that's free where you can like pin X amount for free. But then it's like, okay, well, what if Pinata goes under? I mean, at the end of the day, like, you're most likely going to be paying something. Uh, and so what I tell people is like anything times infinity is like way more than I'm just paying this one fee to get them uploaded to the blockchain. It just depends on like how long are you wanting these to live for? Are you wanting them to live forever on the blockchain or do you not really care? Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the other way to think about it, right, is that uh, you know, the nice thing about IPFS is that your uh, customers, your collectors can also pin things themselves. Yes. And that's what I recommend yeah. everyone do if you are holding IPFS collection. But then you have to think, hey, right. these people are presumably giving me money. Am I going to also give them this new job? Like I can do this new job for them yeah, exactly. or they can do the new job. And if with the API thing, with the web server yeah. thing, there's another element there, which I don't love. And I think in Bonner's collection, you really uh, kind of see this because, you know, a lot of people have been to this collection. I have two. It's a very cool collection. You want to get the good ones. And so one thing that might be nice when you're trying to mint is to see uh, what the future is going to look like so that you can only mint if it's good. And with Indelible Labs, you know, it's not no, no blockchain centric thing is perfect in terms of randomizing this, but everyone's on equal footing. Whereas in the uh, Bueno world, if it is just some server spitting back what it's going to be, then right. someone yeah. knows what that's going to be before you know. Now, in reality, no one cares about this kind of thing. And I certainly didn't care when I minted Sean's uh, uh, collections. I was trying to have fun. But if you were really serious about this, you'd think, wait a minute, this server can just say whatever it wants. Like it has complete control yeah. over the thing that I exactly. got. I don't, I don't like that. You know, so um, there is something nice about the transparency of Indelible exactly. Labs. It's very transparent, very transparent. So then, yeah, that's, um, the, that's the other thing, too, with on-chain. And, uh, it's, it's just the trustlessness of it. Uh, you know, nothing is random. Uh, it's definitely pseudo random. Uh, so, you know, uh, with that, you know, you, if you really wanted to and you were smart enough, probably way smarter than me, you could figure out how to predict what maybe uh, the next one could be or control it somehow. But uh, because computers are not random, uh, but uh, it is trustless. So it makes it where, uh, everyone is on equal uh, is on equal ground at least, and everyone has uh, an equal chance at getting uh, a rare one. True, true, true. But maybe it's too equal. Bots. I feel like we're bots. Are do you do because you, you offer also you also offer someone right more value here a minting page right where you know they don't just get the contract they don't just get the uploading thing yeah. they also get the thing and then you know have you had you know, you have bot defenses or has that been a problem or what, 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 tell, tell me about that experience, that kind of product that you're delivering. That's more value, you know, to the customer. 
to the user. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the best way to defend against bots is just having it on a law list. Um, I think that is probably one of the only, uh, you know, ways you can truly defend against bots because any other way, um, I think someone could write something to get around it, but no one is going to be able to write a script or a bot that can add themselves to an allow list. So I think having allow lists are the best defense for that. And the projects that launch using allow lists um, have no problem uh, with bots until they open it up to public. And then uh, some, you know, we've had some that uh, as soon as they open it up to public, they, they're like sold out in just like two minutes, like a thousand or 2000 of them. So definitely bots. Uh, but uh, in some ways, a good problem to have, you know. I yeah, think, I mean, it, uh, I think I think as long out. as as long as you sell enough beforehand, yeah, you don't want the majority going to bots for sure. So you know, people you know love art, right? That's the number one thing people think about all the time. They don't think about themselves. They don't think about money. But sometimes the money crosses their mind. So you've had some big successes, right? Like if someone wants to be successful, you know, they're not going to worry. Oh, like am I going to be the first successful? Uh, person and, and the first person ever make money, even though I don't care about money, I never think about it. What are some big successes that people, if they uh, work really hard and maybe get a little lucky that they can try to, you know, be amongst? Yeah. I mean, I think the, one of the first things is just building a social following first. Um, I think that one of the, uh, one of the, uh, ingredients, I guess you could say, for the projects that have had successful launches is that they had uh, been uh, posting a lot on Twitter, getting a lot of engagement, doing giveaways for allow lists, and building up their following on Twitter uh, way way before launching. Uh, and so, uh, once you have that community, and you're uh, you're reaching out to other communities that you are a part of um, so if you're a part of if you're already active in communities reaching out to them giving them allow list spots just building your own community ahead of time that's going to give you a huge advantage the the next thing is um i think uh giving having a free allow list uh phase uh and even limiting it to just one uh, is been uh, something that the so why would I do successful... that? Free? I don't make any money from free. What, what is sure. the mechanism there that makes free good in this case? You think? I think it's just you know you want to have this like initial momentum, uh, and I'm in in the the free phase. I would say like it's not like going to guarantee you that you're that you have a successful one, and there's also been successful launches that didn't have a free phase. Good to have that momentum um, of just people but, know, talking yeah, about it, you know, people getting it, people feeling it, you know? Yeah, create some uh, initial momentum. Uh, but also, I, I think, like, you know, it just kind of shows that you care about the communities that you're um, that you're a part of by giving, uh, giving them the ability to claim a, a free mint before uh, increasing it. Uh, so it's just like, you know, uh, giving back to communities that you're part of. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, uh, I think a good, 
good show of uh, community to, to do that. But um, other than that, I think just finding a good uh, target price for mint. Um, I think like the price for the successful ones that have launched on our platform have not been over 0 0.02 uh, mint price. Uh, Sean Bonner's was not on our platform, but his just minted out and it was 0 0.02. Crypto Marks was 0 0.02. Proof of Pepe was 0 0.02. My final form was 0 0.02. So uh, I don't know if 0 0.02 is like the magic number, but it sure seems like uh, it, it could be uh, right now in this market. So finding a good mint price. Um, but we, you know, uh, just like all of the other stats I've given, there have been projects that do this and don't mint out. So it's not just, it's not like a guarantee. Um, what I about the max, what about the total supply that I, Michael actually texted me some of these tips and I like look at them like every day. So I'm like very clued into this. So I just want to make sure he touches on this issue. What's the right total number of things? Because more yeah. things means more money, right? Or maybe not. It's actually maybe better to have fewer. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that's also another uh, another step for the successful ones. They've all been under 5,000 uh, total supply. I think uh, they've ranged between two and five. Um, and so, um, you know, we've, we've had we've had collections meant out that were 10 K collections, but it's definitely a lot easier to get, um, you know, it's obviously going to be easier to mint out if there are less to mint. So, uh, it, you know, and I think also by default, um, it will increase the value of the NFT if there are less of them. And so, um, yeah, I think that right now, if, uh, if I were to, to release a collection, I would pick around 2000 to maybe 3000, uh, for a total supply. I think that seems to be like a good number for right now, at least in this market. Got it. Got it. No, makes sense. And so, you know, this is a real hidden benefit to, to running a, a, a company like this, a, a website, a product like this. And for us too, talking about it, cause it's like, you see a lot of stuff. So we can kind of like ask Michael, like, okay, what does it, what does it take to be you know, successful? And he's got some, some context. So let's keep pushing this. So if I'm doing it right, there's the, the strategy, the economics and uh, the community side, but there's also, you know, the art, uh, and the meta exactly. involved. And so, you know, meta basically means like what meme you're tapping into, but it's called like meta in this uh, current moment. So what are some art styles, topics, metas where you've seen successes and just any thoughts about like, you know, that kind of meme driven, you know, it's like what, what, what's captivating people yeah. right now, you think? I mean, punks are king. <laughs> <laughs> Still. So... Still, still, um, they have yet to be dethroned. Uh, but, you know, punks, punk derivs, um, and, uh, you know, even and, and even derivs of punk derivs. Like, I think my final form was like a deriv of multiple punk derivs. <laughs> like, wow. All squashed together. Um, and then, like, um, Proof of Pepe is like, the combination of the Pepe 
you know, meme and uh, the the Moonbirds uh, collection. But I think it, something that they all share, though, is that, like, they were, like, some of them were shocked. Like, my final form just had, like, this shock factor. Like, when you see it, you're like, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> um, but it was, like, kind of, like, it wasn't, like, what the fuck am I looking at? I don't like it. It was like, like what? What is this? This is kind of like weird and intriguing. I I think I actually kind of like it. Um, and then proof of Pepe is just like they just look dope. Like he he just did a crazy good job at designing those and making them look like Pepe and the Moonbirds. Um, and then uh, you know the Crypto Marks. Uh, they were just like really cool and weird and funny and were like this whole meme around Mark. So it's just like, they're all different. Um, but I think just tapping into, um, tapping into a meta, um, a current meta is definitely going to help. Yeah. Look at, um, everyone in this space right now, the majority of PFPs that are listening to this space slash podcast currently are punk deriv PFPs. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's crazy. It's probably 75% of the people in here. Uh, I see, like, yeah. Obit, I see the Robos, I see V3, uh, V3 Funks, I see Funks, I see Cyber Funks, I see Crab Funks, or Crab Punks, I see, I don't even, some of these I don't even know what they are, but it's like the DNA is there, the, the right. memetics. Oh, for Gala sure. Funks. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah. kind of like to your point, uh, we all know this and we know that these types of derivs are have the potential to like moon you could say and um i i think that that is kind of like what you want you want to create this thing that when people see it they're like okay i could see this going somewhere and if you if you can get that then you want to, you know, it's it's all about creating this like, uh, this momentum, I guess. Like I was saying at the beginning, but yeah, totally. You know, like one of the the ways of doing that is by like, is this expectation of it going, you know, the floor going up? <laughs> FOMO. Right. It's right. called FOMO. I mean, I have right. one exactly. experience. Dove was, uh, you know, it was his idea. And um, it was called Cyberfunks, which was, I think it was a punks derivative. Now that you mentioned it, it was a color shift derivative, which is one of the first <laughs> of those, and yeah. whatever. It was pretty cool. And basically what you saw with this sort of thing is that it starts going and then people talk about it. And then it's just got a life of its own where it's, it's the reason it mints out is because it's going to mint out. And so it better happen now. And so, you know, another you know element to that, I think that's really related to the, you know, allow list and the community side of things and everything is that just, you know, I think it's quite hard to have a slow burn type mint out situation. I think it's way easier to have the momentum of the fact that it seems like it's going to mint out, drive the mint out versus, you know, someone, you know, on a cool, you know, Thursday afternoon thinking, you know what, I could use another, you know, blank, one of the many things I've worked on that yeah. hasn't minted out. But sometimes they do do that, though. Some, I, some I've, of you I've out there are still fine, which I like it. I've only seen it happen once. There's a project called Crypto Ray Rays, which is a punk derivative, um, but instead of punks, it's uh, it's like dogs, but they're in the punk style. And those sat stagnant for a really long time, 
and then like one random day they just minted out the right person saw it the right influencer saw it retweeted yeah, it and exactly. they were they were minted out instantly and i that edgehogs did this too i think edgehogs yep edgehogs as well yeah shout sure. out to my edgehog fam that was a cool project oh but i wanted to mention before we move off of the the topic of punk derives <clears throat> just to talk cap 21 stuff um and kind of uh, kind of a, a way to bridge these things um, and this very long-winded thread that I've had pinned on my profile for a long time uh, following the release of uh, the project Yunks, I talk about how the punk has become a more than a punk. A punk is more than a punk. A punk is a, sim- a symbol and a virtue signal to other people that you are like with it. You understand what is culturally relevant. You understand Web3. You understand crypto. You understand memes. You are early. Like the punk represents all of these things. And then, like, furthermore, like we can break that down. Having a punk derivative, I think, signals that you understand Web3 better than an OG crypto punk does. If you have a punk derivative, that means that you are like really down in the trenches, like doing the work of like understanding the memes, understanding the culture in a way that I think a lot of people with punk pfps like aren't necessarily doing like everyone in this room has a better understanding of nft culture than alex ohanian you know what i mean or like jay-z or like any of the ouch you you can't make the point without no it's good sometimes to be controversial yeah i mean i I think this is what drew me to punks was the funks and we've talked about this before where everyone in here is you know funks jason that to me is sort of the er uh, at least until we started making derivatives the er derivative you know it's like the the best one basically still arguably the best one but you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. But when I got into the funks thing, I got to buy something that was the totality of punks and everything they represented, plus all this other stuff, which was being cooler than punks because, you know, recognizing that like flipping and that's fine. And of course, OpenSea just recently came out with this uh, copy protection thing where, uh, you know, look, I can get it. If someone mints an exact copy of your thing, then maybe you want to think. But they explicitly said, if you flip it left to right, we are going to disallow you from doing that you know, an open sea, which is just a hilarious thing after all of this, you know, time with the funks, of course, being flipped and, and, and looking left to right. So yeah, it, 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 the funks immediately appealed to me as a new person, you know, for this, for this reason, getting to have the, the calling card of the punks and getting to on top of that, you know, layer something. And, um, and yeah, I mean, so this is a question then too, for, for Michael. So Michael, can you, you know, if you are someone who is the new punk person, okay, Matt and John are from Larva Labs there, literally off the face of the earth right now, which is a pretty interesting and weird, you know, uh, thing. I sort of went off the face of the earth when I sold my company, but I'm still I'm facing the earth the best I can. Chris Gilberti, if you're still here, uh, shout out to you. But the new punk person comes and says, I want to do punks. I want to literally do punks. Can I do punks on Indelible Labs? Can I create the original 10,000 punks if they didn't exist? Could I do it through Indelible Labs? Uh, you mean like... Uh... Even like exact trait uh, combo matching, is that what you're talking about? Not the like, exact not just... trait combos, but the fact that there'd be like a small number of aliens and, um, you know, the challenges yeah. I can think of are yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, the, you could... the woman bandana looks different from the man bandana, which might be like a, an issue. Oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that it could be possible. Uh, we are working on adding better logic like i think i was talking about the beginning why sean didn't 
wasn't able to launch the robo collection on there but uh, yeah uh, when it comes to having what I like describe as a um, like a, a trait variation so to speak so like it's like the same trait but like you could have two variations of it depending on um, you know this thing that this that is selected that could be like male or female or, or whatever have you um, and then that could determine like what type of traits are you know selected later um, so you they're all like you, know, you could have you know bandana but and that has like a probability of being selected but it could have like its own you know variations that uh, that it would go you know this one would go with the male one. This would go with the female one. Uh, so that's kind so of also like, the aliens can't have facial hair. So that's like a yeah, yeah, say, yeah. Oh, interesting. It's it's interesting that Indelible Labs is home to so many punk derivative projects because the CryptoPunks themselves <clears throat> have such an incredibly complex set of like logic um, mm-hmm. problems. There's like this trait can't do this. This trait always does this. You can't combine these. If this is this, then it has to be this one. Like, there's a lot of logic in there. Um, in Cap Twenty One, is we this week we've been kind of trying to like break that down and, and catalog it, um, which I would love to share in the future because I don't think anyone's ever like written it out. But it's very cool, um, and it's been cool to see people like overcome that technical hurdle and create cool yeah. looking collections that don't require all that super complex logic yeah i agree um yeah no it it has been has been cool but um right now the 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 only uh, the only logic that we support is if this trait is rolled force this other trait to be rolled as well so like pair pairing traits together um and so you can override like say like if this um trait on this other layer would have been rolled without the linking involved like the linking like forces it no i want this layer to be oh so can you say if woman bandana is rolled then woman base type must be rolled yeah i mean exactly but i think if it was that simple it, it would work i think the problem is like okay there's like I think also like different skin tones and right. you can only do like base type. Um, but yeah, I think I haven't had a chance to like play around with um, creating a punk derivative on it. Uh, I probably should just to like see how far I could push the logic with what we have. But we've definitely just with that like one logic, um, like this if this is rolled then force this other thing to be rolled. Like there's been like some really cool uh, logic paths that people have created to like do what they want. Um, So yeah, you've got to bring it to the ability to make a punk and then you've got to make a, I mean, you know, you said it yourself, punks are still King. And so, you know, the tool has to evolve to a state of, uh, you know, well, like I was saying the, I think the next thing that I want to add is like this, trait variation logic that I think would uh, solve that. Um, And so whenever we get that added in, I think that'll add 
uh, a lot you can do logic wise. And then also the opposite of trait linking, which is like trait blocking, where if this is rolled, never roll this trait. Uh, but that's actually like a pretty complex thing to add on chain. Um, so I need to spend some more time on that, but that's, but that's the reason why, like, because all of this logic happens on chain, that's why we have very little around linking logic available because all of this has to happen on chain within 30 million gas. Uh, so, but right. Yeah. You want to roll something and then you're going attribute by attribute and you're picking a random one and then, oops, I can now go back to the beginning and change something. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. So yeah. what else then? Is well, it's very linear. linear. The logic is linear. Uh, so that it does not go, it doesn't loop. Uh, I, we, we do it that way on purpose to make it where it doesn't run out of gas. Um, so if you have like, uh, trait index zero, uh, trait index zero can like force anything above it, um, to be rolled. And then when it gets to then that layer, the one that it was forced to be rolled could like force another thing to be rolled, but it can't go, it can't like chain backwards, if that makes sense. Definitely makes, so makes it sense. Is, you want, you don't want <laughs> the backtracking is going to kill you on this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You want the greedy style where you just go and each time you choose something that's allowable and then you're done by the end. You've chose everything allowable versus, oh no, I have to go back and rechoose these, these, um, right. you know, these traits. And, you know, if you're doing the Bueno style where you're just doing some generative thing in web two, and this is kind of what I did for one of my projects called Fashion Hat Punks, which is trying to put hats on different punks and, you know, this whole yeah, thing. I mean, and you're basically unlimited on what you could do then. So. And, uh, well, what I had to, because I wanted to be on chain, but I like basically computed, I had the seeds. Like, so, so the chain version would have, would compute it based on a seed. And I calculated what the seed should be on my computer. And it was uh, a very long, I mean, I was writing in Ruby or whatever. It was a very long process to cram all these hats in, you know, by uh, observing that, okay, we've given a, the same color cowboy hat to one punk. We'd go all the way back to the beginning and shuffle everything. It took like 20 minutes to calculate this. But then once you have it, you're guaranteed to have something that, that works. But um, if you want to do Unchain, the better way. So what else can we say? I want to ask you two questions. One, I want to get more information about the future of Indelible Labs. And then I want to use that as a, uh, you know, kind of bridge into the topic of this thing. Finally, if you are out there, Anon, and you're trapped under a rock, or even if you're not now, I want to bridge to the future of NFT. So first, what else, you know, and no pressure, you've already said a bunch of stuff about the future of Indelible Labs, but any other really salient things that we can look forward to? Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the big next things that we're working on is adding uh, passive minting uh, capabilities uh, where you can uh, release a contract and uh, passively create or mint these NFTs to it that can then be sold. Uh, these like one of ones. Uh, with that also increasing the uh, with one of ones you don't have. Uh, so the pro the problem with like the reason we limit traits right now to two kilobytes is because they're all being 
base 64 encoded and then concatenated together um, to uh, create the SVG that then gets returned. Uh, with one of ones, you don't have any of that. Um, you can uh, you can just return that thing, uh, right? Uh, so if it's just like a, a PNG, you just return the PNG uh, base sixty, like a base sixty four data URL for the PNG, and uh, then it's just you know it's there. Uh, so because of all of the uh, because there's there is not much uh, happening on the render side of the one of ones, uh, we plan on increasing the file size. The test that we've done uh, shows that we could increase it to like 300 kilobytes. Uh, so like each one of one could easily be like a thousand by thousand like pixel PNG. Uh, I say easily, but um, you know, yeah, it depends. It, dep it, dep it, dep it depends on how depends on how like uh, how many obviously you know, uh, color variations you have in there, but I think you could you could create a a decently uh, large PNG with 300 kilobytes. Yeah, that's well, exciting. I, I think that I DM'd you about that like three months ago, and I was like, "Hey, do you guys ever yeah. want to do that? I would love to release some things." I know. That's yeah. cool. It's cool to see him. Yeah, we. Yeah, it's it, the contract has actually been like test. Like it's been in test phase for like probably two months. It's just like the contract side of it is actually like the easiest, the easiest side of running this platform. <laughs> we can create a contract in like a couple of days. Um, you know, I'm, you know, obviously test it and, and whatnot takes longer, but um, building the UI and the APIs and everything is what takes even longer. So um, I'm very excited to get that done though. I think that'll be awesome uh, to see really large um, files on chain. Um, but with that, because it's just like a data URL, um, it really opens it up to be like pretty much anything. So it's not even gonna be just where it's limited to images. It could be a 300 kilobyte music file, a 300 kilobyte movie file. Because um, it's just, okay, what's the mime type? Uh, and is it under 300 kilobytes? And then it just, you know, you just, it stores it on chain and returns it. Uh, it doesn't really matter what file type it is. But uh, what is the cost? What is the cost? Yeah, I mean, the cost would be definitely a lot more, but I think uh, there could be use cases where it would be beneficial. Um, I think for 300 kilobytes, if it was like, you know, the cheapest way, like, you, you cut away at like five or something. Uh, I think it would be 0.3 to 0.4 ETH just to upload the one file. Yeah, but that's pretty steep. If it's a one of one. It is, exactly. High price. You would have to then turn around and sell those things for like at least an ETH to make it worth your time. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think that there are people that could do that, that could create one of ones put them on chain forever and sell them for one, two ETH, uh, depending on who they are. Um, so I think it could be, 
use, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to max it out. Like you don't have to max it to like 300 kilobytes. You can just do like a 50 kilobyte one. Uh, you could do an SVG file. So you don't even have to worry about it being a thousand pixels by a thousand pixels. And it just is a vector image that is somewhat detailed and it's like, you know, 50 kilobytes. Uh, so. Well, I did famously have the first ever one of one uh, photograph on Indelible Labs, which is also the first ever collection on Indelible Labs. Wow, I'm making really this about me. So if you want to know that, you can probably look that up somewhere, but I, I was uh, on, on, the, on the cutting it's edge. It's on really... our feed. If you scroll to the very, very bottom of the <laughs> yeah. feed, you just keep going, you'll see Middle March's pretty face at the bottom. Yeah, just keep going. That's where I am. But if I'm looking at this right now, I think basically this was um, this photo, which was not that big in the end, cost me like, yeah, it wasn't so bad. It was like 0.15 or something like that, which kind of a lot for a novelty joke and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But uh, I thought it's going to be worth a lot, actually. Yeah. I, when, yeah um, that, but that's ETH was also low was back it? then. ETH was 1100. So that was good use of, of low ETH. But yeah, it's, it's really a very How cute little way, uh, though? thing uh, uh oh yeah good question what was the gas when i deployed it um 23 so i i was i was living it up oh <laughs> i just yeah, wanted to yeah. get it you out could've, you could know, have you could have gotten it cheaper for sure well i didn't want i didn't want someone to pit me and get the first um sure yeah. first collection so okay so we got we got we got the future i want to talk at the past but first okay everyone here came to know forget indelible labs for a second don't, don't forget it but de-emphasize in your brain zoom out what is the future of NFTs. And let me put this on you and like, and just say, okay, what are we all here actually uh, doing? You know, which, what's going to stand the test of time? You know, what is just fun and just fun's cool. It's cool to have fun. What is the best long-term way to uh, engage with the NFT space? If you're young out there and you're trapped under a rock, what should you be focused on right now? Hmm. I think, uh, I don't think it's black and white as far as like what you should be doing, uh, I think that the future of NFTs could be uh, stated that it's, uh, you know, you would, if you look at what NFTs are, it's just decentralized proof of ownership, right? So if you wanted to answer that, what would NFTs best be used for? You would just say, what would decentralized proof of ownership best be used for? Um, and that could be a lot of things. Uh, it could be deeds, it could be titles, it could be, um, it could be, you know, tickets to a concert, tickets to, uh, tickets to anything. It could be, uh, membership, uh, proof of a membership to a club. It could be, uh, any, any sort of proof that I am an owner of X, Y, or Z, um, I think that being an NFT, being it that it's decentralized, um, I think that's the future for all of those types of things. Um, so it's not going away, basically, is your prediction. Like, it's not just... Oh, no. No, I fad. don't think it's going away. But it is down like 98% this year. And I have just... you know, <laughs> you, you, It's good to hang out with people who don't do this every second because they will push you a little bit and they'll say things like, wait, isn't it dead right now? It went down a million percent this year. What's the story? So what should I say about that? Yeah, I think uh, there was a, there was a title 
Um, there was a New York Times, I think, um, article that was released in 2000 that said, uh, I think it said something like, is the internet dead? Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just because something's down uh, does not mean that it is dead. I think it just means that people are scared. Or so it could be the dead. Um, Second Life, wildly popular, 2005 to 2009. Uh, people invested uh, Linden dollars. This is like the in-world currency of Second Life. Um, Harvard was teaching classes in Second Life. And Wells Fargo had a bank in Second Life. And the people thought this was it. And they put... Damn, they got Harvard? Yeah, they they got Wells Fargo and Harvard and many others into Second Life. This was in like 2009. Yeah, I remember that. And um, people had like life savings in in Linden dollars, if you can believe that. Linden, this is is a very stupid thing, but it's true. And um, Second Life never came back. It just came back different. It came back as other platforms. It came back as I guess that kind of proves something, though, that makes me bullish on... uh, on NFTs, on cryptocurrency, that people like the idea of uh, their valuables being somewhere else. Yeah, I agree. In being stored somewhere that they don't have to like worry about, uh, you know, their house burning down or or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I, I think like, NFTs are a sticky idea. NFT is a new name for a very old and very sticky idea that we've had for 20 years. Um, If we want to think about like the very first mud that came out in like the 90s uh, as a, uh, you know, online multiplayer game, text-based. And then further on, you had like RuneScape Classic, RuneScape 2, you had Second Life, you have Team Fortress 2, Team Fortress 2 hats. Um, And Team Fortress 2... I think was really the time where people understood that digital collectibles have real world value um, in a kind of like a mainstream way. Second life, like existed, right. it was kind of like niche, like tech dudes thought that it was the future, but no one else did. Right. Um, but the fact that you've seen digital collectibles like reappear in culture exactly. so many times, exactly. like, NFTs might not be the thing like punk derivatives might not be the thing that in five years is really amazing and popular, but the, the concept will uh, yeah, there's definitely um, it's definitely proof that there is a desire for you know these collectibles to go a certain direction technology wise, and I think that that uh, when blockchain technology came around, uh, where it made it possible, specifically with the Ethereum blockchain, where it made it possible for these um, these collectibles to exist somewhere that's decentralized so that you don't have something like second life disappear and all of your uh life savings go away with it right Uh, i think that that is the answer to what people were wanting you know all along so well here's my issue with second life if i were to say their big marketing problem like why would you call it second life they should just call it life like why are you saying? Oh, it's the it's the worst one. As it's worse yeah. than you have now. It's like what? That's terrible yeah. marketing. Just call it Fam- life. Famously, that your that like that that um, that comment is an entire episode of The Office. Back when Second Life was very popular, everyone was making fun of Dwight 
Why? Why would you want? Is to it really? Life? I don't remember that yeah. episode. Yeah, there's a whole episode where Dwight is obsessed with Second Life, and then at the end of the episode, it's shown that Jim has also become obsessed with Second Life, and Pam is making fun of him for like that. his chosen avatar. That is so yeah. funny. I'm gonna look yeah, this up. I really watch. should just rewatch The Office from the beginning. I uh, know that that's that's proof that I need to rewatch it. Dinner I thought I, I thought I was way more knowledgeable about The Office than than I guess I am. Local ad. Uh, but yes, everyone should watch The Office out there. I've seen it more than once, but apparently I don't know it that well. So yeah, I mean, I guess right. That's the question is, are you on, you know, the right platform? And, uh, you know, if you are on the right platform, then Second Life can go up and go down, but then it can go back up. But if you're on the yeah. wrong platform, it's never going to go back up. You know, even if the idea is the perfect idea and it gets copy and pasted somewhere else, you know, it's going to go up on the right platform. So, you know, yeah, the real question is to your point about Ethereum, like, is Ethereum, you know, the right platform? Because, yeah, you know, yeah. if it is, then you don't have to worry about your NFT thing not working out because it's going to be there. You know, when did Second Life become popular? That was like early 2000s, 20 years later. Like something you do on Ethereum could work 20 years later and you're fine. But if Ethereum's the wrong platform, everything you're doing now is worth zero, just like Second Life, just like the Linden dollars. So, I guess yeah. it's really a bet on this concept of uh, of Ethereum, basically. Um, well, I mean, the, I think uh, it's just, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it. I'm. I am betting that uh, decentralized servers will outlive a centralized server. But why Ethereum? Is, are you? Are, when does Available Labs Solana Edition come out? Is that like next week, or when is that? Tezos Labs. Yeah, Tezos Labs. That's a better <laughs> example because people actually like Tezos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not a, I'm not against uh, opening it up to Solana. Uh, I think there's definitely a market for Solana NFTs, but I would just man, I would hate to get called uh, or DM'd. Uh, Your app's not working. No, it's just because Solana's down. <laughs> so, right. so Ethereum's the best one, basically on the nets, essentially, even though um, it's expensive. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you have second layer, you know, uh, chains like Polygon that... Yeah, what about L2? Are you doing L2? uh, Not right now, but I do want to add uh, L2 chains to it. I think that would be like a terrific uh, use case for people if they don't want uh, to pay the cost of getting it on mainnet. Uh, You could pay to get it on uh, something like Polygon that's an L2 chain. Um, uh, you know, there could be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to guarantee that L2 chains will, you know, live as long as the main net, uh, but it's definitely a cost, uh, it's a the more cost efficient way. It's the bueno of chains. Sure. Yeah. There you go. It's the, it's the, it's the bueno, uh, bueno killa. version of of on-chain i guess nfts i I wanted to ask before we get too far away from this future of nfts question and this is for you as well roberto i think just as a team as individuals or as a team you know you're talking about the future of nfts and maybe it doesn't look like what we're doing right now but it looks like this other thing and um, you know, you can tie it to a business, you can tie it to membership, you can tie it to a piece of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that you were kind of talking about, you know, potential future use cases for NFTs. 
Um, it seems to me, and maybe this is incorrect, but I'm asking, what's like the team philosophy on NFTs as art versus NFTs as tokenized, tokenized like utility, like utility that exists and has an image, but is not really related to the image? Is Indelible Labs built around any like semblance of the idea that someone will release a quote unquote serious art project, unquote, um, on your platform? Like, how do you how do you guys view NFTs and art as a, you know, we're at the crossroads between those two things? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that there is uh, a market for both. And I think, you know, especially when we add the passive minting capabilities with the one of ones that um, it'll be more enticing for, you know, you could say like quote unquote serious artists uh, to use. Uh, but what's not serious about the arts, uh, the artists that have launched already? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think that they're, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm not, uh, Rob and I are not uh, art critics uh, over here at Indelible Labs. If you, um, you know, if you want to use the tool, um, you can use it f as a serious artist, as someone who's just wanting to create utility. Uh, and we're just here to help whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, we don't really, uh, I don't, I, I don't think that we have like an opinion. I mean, we might have an opinion, but we won't share it. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> That's an amazing thing to say. We will never share it. And if we do share some opinion, it might be a lie. We might actually think something different. No, no. But that's so, true of everyone, right? Like all the time, people are. I mean, you know, I don't think it's fair. You know, we're like I said, we're we are a tool. We are not an art gallery. Uh, I'm not. We're we're not art critics, even though we might internally criticize I'm art. Just playing, I know. Yeah. Right. You know. What I mean. Right. So. Um, it, you know, I understand, but I, but I, I, I hear you. But I, I, but I, I do, I do appreciate, um, I do appreciate good art, uh, and I think that good art is like huge if you want to be successful um, in releasing NFTs. Uh, I think like having this like really good combination of like being a serious artist and not taking yourself seriously, right? If that makes sense, like being good but like not taking yourself too seriously um i think is like the best uh place to be but for sure 100 100 uh okay cool so you know i want to take things a little bit different directions now and everything but like i i just want to first say uh you know, thank you everyone who has been listening and um, thank you to myself. I've been doing stuff too, but y'all have been, you know, very attentive and I think throwing out emoji, which is good for the algorithm. If anyone has any questions for our guests, the Indelible Labs crew, uh, Michael, uh, Rob, we can get to that. Put your hand up. Let's do it. But uh, we're going to do it in a rolling way. We're not going to have any dead air on this podcast, which is a key no-no from an engagement and algorithm standpoint. So I want to take things in a different direction and, um, you know, this is, again, you know, the person under the rock maybe will like this less because it's new to everyone. But just, Michael, could you take us all the way back? Oh, we do have a request here, but I'm going to let Dove. Uh, Dove, you got you, you, you said you would. Um, here. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good, 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 good. Espresso. Do you have 
a question. Yes, I do. Uh, is it all right if I ask it? Yeah, go, go, go awesome. for it. So I'm about to launch a project uh, on Indelible uh, in a day or so, actually. Um, do you mind if I ask, has anyone ever put a one of one uh, within the collection? Uh, it's a pixel collection, but the one of one uh, not pixel art. Has anyone ever successfully done that and been under the two kilobyte limit? That's a good question. Uh, I don't. I don't know that the one of ones have been non-pixel art yet because we've only recently added that capability. Yeah. But I do. I can imagine that um, uh, creating a one of one SVG under two kilobytes would certainly be more challenging. Um, yeah, exactly. But, okay, cool. Uh, I would be uh, intrigued to see what you come up with, though. Yeah, I'll let you know. But you do have new, maybe you can come out with this, but like, I, I feel like you were talking to me about it. You, did, you like upgraded general support for one of ones within like broader collections. Is that right? Yeah, uh, thanks to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, using the linear congruential calculator, uh, or generator, what is it? Yeah, generator, uh, I, you know, whatever it is. I'm down. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I think it's the linear congruential generator, uh, LCG algorithm. Uh, it's pseudo random, but guarantees exact, uh, um, it guarantees that, uh, a trait could uh, w will be minted exactly how many times you tell it to. So you could say for it to just exist once in the collection and it'll only exist once. Before that, uh, we were using just, um, you know, other other ways of uh, doing pseudo-random numbers that uh, it could be where, where your number that you would put in for the rarity would be just a probability uh, not guaranteed that it would exist that many times. So, uh, but that is new. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Who else? You can still ask questions. We're not doing dead air. Okay. If no one's putting it up, then I'm moving on. So, you know, we've talked about the future of NFTs. What about the future of NF me? And I guess what I mean by that is if you look at like how to create a successful, you know, NFT, we can get your wisdom and it's total supply you know, community building and these types of questions, pricing, that's how to create a successful NFT project. But how do I create indelible labs? Okay, if I really want to, you know, do it. So, you know, maybe could you walk us through your journey getting to indelible labs? And, you know, just, it doesn't have to be like every little detail of your life story, but just like kind of interesting to people who want to be entrepreneurs uh, in the space, in addition to, you know, artists or whatever, like, how did you end up you know, pressing go on uh, indelible labs. Mm. Yes. Uh, let me see. How can I keep this short? <laughs> um, you can go as long as you want, by the way. I'm down. Like, let, let, if these people want to leave, they can leave. No, you can keep it short, too. Either way. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to, yeah, I'll try to condense it. Uh, but, um, I mean, Rob and I have both been, uh, we've both been uh, software developers, software engineers, for a while i started programming when i was like 13 so i knew uh i was going to be like programming the rest of my life 
when I was like 13. Hey, so out there, if you are but, older than 13 and you haven't started programming, you're effed, right? You're, yeah. You're yeah, just no, quit. Leave the space immediately no and stop luck. engaging with it. Now you keep engaging with it. <laughs> wow. That's the, that was the key. Uh, no, um, but um, no, we, we, anyways, you know, we've, we've, we've been programming for a while. Uh, I, I think that, you know, uh, it, it might have played into a little bit, but I think it's just, you know, it just shows, you know, pa- passions come at different stages for different people. For me, it just came super early. Um, definitely does not mean that you, you're, uh, you're fucked. <laughs> if, if you just started programming at like uh, 30, I mean, you know, who knows? Um, but, um, yeah, but, uh, I started, you know, I started pretty early and I started working, um, for software companies pretty much right out of high school. Um, never actually went to college, um, and just started working right away. Uh, uh, I think that, um, the trick to like, just being successful in most things, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to be absolute, but in most things, I feel like the trick is, uh, first to be passionate. Uh, you have to be passionate about what you do. I think that that's just gonna show, um, to the people that are around you that, um, that you're serious, that you are good at what you do. Um, but the other thing is to, um, to network and to be, uh, present. And, um, and so, uh, all throughout my job career, just talking, you know, just reaching out to people, talking to people, talking to people who were above me and networking and, um, you know, trying to always leave a good impression on uh, the different jobs that I was at. All of that led to me starting a software agency with Rob. Uh, Rob and I both own a Web2 software uh, company uh, with a software agency called Kickstart Crew. Uh, so if you want software, uh, just let us know. But... Um, yeah, we started that uh, two years ago, and uh, that's kind of given us the ability, uh, some flexibility financially and time-wise to kind of enjoy uh, focusing on on what we what we want to build. You know, over at the software agency, we're constantly building things that other people want, and that's great, uh, and we do uh, enjoy it. Uh, we enjoy getting paid for it, <laughs> but um, we really love um, creating things that we that our heart is in, right? And uh, so, uh, last year when we got into the NFT space and uh, just Web three in general, we both knew, uh, yeah, this is definitely where we think that the future is going uh, when it comes to just uh, the internet in general. And, uh, uh, so pausing there for a second, what was your first thing? And this is great stuff, by the way. Thank you for this. What was your first thing with Web3? Like your first interaction, your first, ah, like what was it? Um, 
like the first time it just like really clicked is what you're saying? Yeah, basically the first kind of two questions here. One is just like the literal first thing you ever did, like the first contract interaction, um, first you know, not no, I'm not talking about sending money or whatever. I'm talking about the actual yeah, yeah. three thing, you know, the contract interaction. And then when and then separately, what made it click? Like both 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 things. Unless it clicked yeah, immediately. I mean, it was, case, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I had been like aware of it since like early days of Bitcoin. I just never got into it. Um, but I knew of it and I kind of had like a vague understanding of how, how mining worked. And, uh, uh, but I just never really, uh, it, I, it felt overwhelming. So I never really got uh, super, super deep into it until, until really just last year um, when uh, Rob actually is the one that got me uh, first into NFTs. Um, I had, I had had, I had, I had crypto and I've, I'd been trading crypto, like, uh, you know, mainly I think just like Bitcoin, uh, and some shit coins here and there, but, um, it was like, you know, not, it, it wasn't really like a web three experience. It just felt like trading stocks on the stock market. Um, just like way more volatile. <laughs> so, um, uh, but like my first web three, like, okay, I like this feels different was like with NFTs um, because it was forcing me. Well, some, some of the things was like forcing me to like, okay, okay. Oh, okay. So there's this thing like called a smart contract. Oh, this is cool. Um, and, uh, and just the, the idea I think of smart contracts and how they, they can exist. Like these apps can exist on a blockchain decentralized um that's when it really was like oh okay this is this is big but like uh, do you remember the first thing you minted or the first thing you did like with the smart contract the first thing i minted oh man uh the first thing i minted i don't actually i don't know what the first one i minted was but the first one i bought secondary was um a chain runner mm. um course but i do not know actually i should find out what the first one i actually minted was um but apparently it was not that uh did not leave an impression where i would know it wasn't the chain runners dead basically uh the chain runners uh i got pretty we both got pretty uh, involved in that community uh but the first time we wrote any solidity code which is the language to write um, on the uh ethereum blockchain it's the language to write uh the smart contracts is uh was the on-chain kevin um, smart contract so that was like our so first this is a year like any... larva labs the first contract you wrote was that you was, know yeah. your your hit that, you know everlasting well, i don't know if that was a hit but We'll, well, everyone has it now because of indelible apps, you know, or because they love it. I have like 20 of them. I, like, I don't know why. I, have I, I don't know if people actually love them or they just use them because I force them to. Yeah, they, they don't get to choose. Sorry. Oh, you want to force me to choose? Well, you've got to go back in time and start when you're 13 and all this kind of stuff. And then you, right. can, you can force me. Well, I also own the number one rarity one. So I'm in pretty good shape there. So, yeah. um, okay. So then Shane Runners. By the way, Chain Runners, for those of you who don't know, is basically 
a well, what do you tell me what chain runners is you're the you're the chain uh, runners uh it's it's basically a uh an on-chain pfp uh it is a uh like a front fit it's like um i think they would call themselves like a like a cyber would they say they were like kind of i don't i don't know maybe like kind of cyberpunk style uh in a way uh but uh but basically like i think their their goal is to like be game avatars game characters that can exist in um in uh in these in these different like metaverses so they created the on-chain version first and then they're coming out with or they already came out with the the 3d uh, versions of them as well uh i think that is their uh, their big push is to be like this um cc0 uh game avatar uh, so if i understand correctly i actually have been out of the loop on them for a little while as we've been heads down building into labs but yeah very interesting and yeah chain runners if you go check it out like these are pretty expensive things but basically as i understand the story here you know to build chain runners back then with how people thought about this at the time not so easy to build chain runners maybe that's partially why it's so uh you know yeah they, but yeah you guys did came some really cool stuff um, yeah, they did some cool stuff with how they handled the, uh, the, the, uh, the creation of their on-chain, uh, pic, uh, images that you see. Um, yeah, they, they have, I think like they were one of the first ones to do like, uh, the, uh, uh, the way that they did the, uh, rendering contracts how they have all that set up is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. What was your question? But you pushed the, the limit here and then, you know, you made it easier for yourself, right. With on-chain Kevin. And then now I think, right. You could basically do, uh, you wouldn't be, you know, chain runners cause you'd be way later. Right. Cause technology evolves, but you could do basically chain runners as I understand it with indelible labs. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there have been, I think, I think at least like one, maybe two chain runner derivatives released on it. And there's a, there's another chain runner derivative, I think coming here soon. So imagine this, you, uh, out there, Anon under a rock trapped, starving to death, you gain this great affinity for this collection, iconic chain runners. And not only are you able to build your own collection, uh, that is sort of in the same vein and rivals it, improves upon it in some ways. Well, it hasn't reached the same volume level and chain runners is iconic, but just bear with me. You not only launch your own collection, you launch your own tool, your own product that anyone can use to make the thing that you uh, really like that got you into it. So, you know, very cool, um, you know, story uh, 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 there. And, um, you know, I got started programming later, so you can do that too. Who else? <laughs> yeah. Anyone has questions for... Um, uh, 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 well, actually, that's, uh, Rob. What am I saying? So let me tell me a little bit about um, about your path I here. Can't forget about Rob. Come on. Yeah, sorry. I'm just I'm just I'm going a mile mile a minute here. Rob, Rob, let's get get. Let me get you in the game here. What's the? Tell me about your path. How can someone grow up to be like you? You gotta eat your veggies. Which ones? 
There are so many options. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, no, I oh, mean, oh, you're kidding. It's not kale. Okay, <laughs> kale is over. Sorry, meta of that is done. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Unless you blend it with berries. Ooh, now we're speaking my language. <laughs> um, no, I think I think um, I think I don't know. I I really this is I've never answered a question like this. Um, I guess you need to be driven by something like Michael was saying. I think uh, passion for something is is key um, from also going for what he was saying. Um, for example, when I, I started programming as well, and when I opened up Pandora's box with that, I, I and then I got my first job programming and stuff like that. I, um, I, I until today, I really do see it like, well, majority of the days, I do not see it as a job. So I love what I do. I love programming. I love the whole nature of, of code, of creation of it. So having passion for something, uh, I think it's key. It doesn't have to be that too. Like Michael was saying, it's not, um, it, contrary to that, it's not doesn't have to be coding that you have to do to get involved in this space, I think. I see so many people that have so different, different talents. And I think that's why um, I, uh, or we went the route that we were um actually where he was saying that i got him into nfts was sort of i never looked at nfts because i always had this idea that it was oh it's like for artists and i'm gonna be honest i and i think michael knows this too i'm more of like the back-end kind of guy in in this whole thing and and obviously i touch in there but i i do not have that great of an eye for uh for like art and design i can tell you what like looks cool and what I think looks awesome, but uh, on a general, I uh, I stand stay, stay on the back end. So I didn't really know what um, what I could do in the space. So I never really looked into it. It wasn't until I actually looked at uh, or found like came across some article talking about um, it was hating on NFTs, saying that if sort of the server went down, then you I don't know if it happened or something like that, but sort of like if it went down, you, you don't have an image anymore. So that's when I really started diving into on-chain NFTs, not because I knew about it, because I actually got curious and was like, couldn't you just put an SVG into the smart contract if that's actually how it works? And I went down this path. I even told Michael about it before I even knew that these existed already, of course, um, which to my surprise, uh, was was really well built already and, and deep in by the time I got in there. And that's exactly how it was done actually with SVGs. So I found this thing that I could get involved in. And uh, obviously along with Michael, we co-founded and did the tool, which facilitates artists to do this. Cause I, we saw that that was the biggest pain point that actually us as engineers have had some sort of pain points as well um developing this coming from web 2 we just saw how uh, crazy it was to put something on change and be uh on chain and be completely immutable for the most part and if you get a bug good luck so we wanted to facilitate for artists 
um, and be like the bridge for that. And it was somewhere where I was passionate. I'm passionate about coding, creating this and facilitating other people. But I mean, you could easily apply this for anything. If you're, if you're into social media and you're good at this, you could probably, uh, and you're passionate about it, you can get involved in so many different ways and you don't have to create anything new. Uh, I once got a really great advice that it's said that if you want to innovate or if you want to create something or start your own company or start something, you don't need to create anything new. There's so many things that already exist that you can combine and, and it'll appear new and you'll have something innovative. I'd go even further and say, don't create anything that you shouldn't create anything. (laughs) What makes you so special? You think you could come up with some new idea? There's so many ideas out there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Number one. Combine, combine things that already exist and you already got something. Indelible Labs, the idea of a no-code tool. Exactly. It's been around forever. Uh, It's just we created the first one that does on-chain NFTs. So it appears new. No new ideas. And this is what I always say, like when I, back when I was CEO of Genius, you know, you would get, when you're CEO, you get the chance to like be like art director kind of person, you know, yeah, make it cool. Like that's what I want. And always what I'd be obsessed with. And maybe this was bad, actually. Like, I don't know if it was good, but I would just really say no new ideas. I don't want a single new idea. And then I'd always say like, I, I, as, as important as your design is, I want to see the references. I want to see where it came from, basically. Like that's as important. So, you know, that, that was always my, anyway, we got, we got people here. Let's talk to people. We got, um, uh, Celine feels who has a, a real hand up or fake dove. That's a real one. I'm calling it. All right, let's do it. Celine. let's, uh, hear your, let's hear your question. What's up? What's up? I hate putting hands up, but it's just, it's here, you know, might as well use it. I think it's um, great. so basically, all right. Web three blockchain web2 business uh loyalty program nft investment buying nft getting loyalty discount buying nft connecting wallet to web2 store website unlocking discount is this illegal this is, this is in there. Advice podcast. <laughs> You're like ten steps. It's one legal. <laughs> I, I, I did not take Adderall today. I am so lost in what you just said. <laughs> so I'm so the lawyer. Program with a, with a wallet, basically. Is this yeah. kind of the idea? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, look, I think wallet as identity is like the number one thing that you can use to convince a normie person who hates nfts and hates you that web3 is good because it's like a you know platforms it's it's a completely neutral way of 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 having you know having identity you know you don't actually you know you only last pass you can release yourself from the strangleholder of last passes boot on your throat you know because you have something that can't be owned by so i i like the idea i love the idea of saying hey you know, we're, we're going to do it with open standards. We're going to do it with, uh, you know, uh, signing messages and this kind of thing. And you won't, you know, have to worry about creating a new account or, you know, last pass boot on your throat. So I, I think it's, I think it's very cool. And I think if, if only, you know, MetaMask just got a little bit better on the phone, um, you can imagine like an Apple pay bloop bloop that, um, that does it. So, um, I'm into it. Is there existing, correctly. is, is there existing technology where, 
let's say you have a web two store, is there existing technology like it's kind of like I um it's like in the Discord when you want to verify your wallet, right? It's it's access certain rooms. Can is that possible to do on a website where you verify your wallet and like it kind of yeah. unlocks discounts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, we we have I mean, Indelible Labs token gated to uh, on chain Kevin holders. You can token gate anything you want. Wait, are you really? literally this a rewards program? Are you exactly what this question's about? This is what I was designed for. This is amazing. Go on. Sorry, I interrupted you, <laughs> but I was just thinking what? about the rewards program. You give this rewards program to the Kevins. Yeah, well, actually, uh, I don't know if Rob wants me to talk about it because we just say uh, it. Okay. Uh, we, I mean, we we do plan on having, uh, like, uh, uh, we do plan on building out web web two plugins that you can have with like Big Commerce and uh, WordPress that allow uh, you to like token gate or um, provide like what you're saying discounts on your e-commerce site if you hold uh one of the tokens or one of the nfts from the collection so definitely possible and it's also something that we plan on adding to our list of features is it so you didn't take enough adderall to understand the question but you actually are building the product that the question was about <laughs> yeah no i was just kidding it, it, when i'm taking when i'm taking adderall i just process it quicker uh, it just took me like, you know, a minute longer to process. That's all. One last yeah. question, if I may. So like you're saying that, like, are you developing technology to be able to do this? Or is the technology already developed? You're just working like your own your own plan. Um, I mean, to be honest, I would be shocked if it doesn't already exist. I think that I have seen it um, somewhere I could look. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, the platform that allows us, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, like an e-commerce uh, Web3 uh, plugin, I'm pretty sure those already exist, but we just plan on making it where it's available for people who launch collections on our platform to use with their uh, with their collections. But Okay, um, fire, fire. Yeah. That's a great, great question, great answer. One thing you could look into on a it's a more basic thing that allowed you to build this, but the standard here, I believe, is called sign in with Ethereum, which is a technology, a standard that allows you to, you know, learn the user's wallet and what NFTs they have if you want, and then you'd have to go on top of that and, and develop what what, uh, what we're talking about here. But the ability to sign in and reveal to the website who you are um, in a secure way that exists and is a very cool thing. And I think you know, Double Labs either uses literal sign in with Ethereum or uh, something something like it. Do you use sign in with Ethereum? Uh, we use Ethers JS, uh, but but like the uh, sign with Ethereum is a thing where like it tells you how to like set you know you, you have a flow for like setting the cookie and all this stuff. Like no, uh, we 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 wrote everything ourselves. Uh, we just use yeah. Ethers JS for the wallet connection process, but we handle everything else. Would ETH be a, uh the best option to go? Uh, the, the, would. Which, for uh, an NFT collection that would want to be like a loyalty program, it's. I mean, that's just. That's uh, up to you. I mean, I think Ethereum is definitely the largest uh, uh, NFT um, 
it, it, you know, the Ethereum blockchain has the largest NFTs. It's the largest market of NFTs. So uh, that would be probably my preference. But uh, there are others like Solana. Um, so, but they all have, uh, you know, their disadvantages. All right, sorry. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm very new. Well, I'm not, I won't say I'm very new, but in terms of like understanding the tech, that's what I'm mm-hmm. working on. But yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go with Ethereum right now. Uh, our software only works with the Ethereum blockchain. Um, like I was saying, it is the biggest, it's the most reliable in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, what do you, what do you think, Middle March? Yeah, I think Ethereum is the best place to start. I think it's the, the most stuff, the most activity, the most action, you know, and when you look long-term at a blockchain, when you look at short-term, action's important because it's like, it means that people have probably done the things you're trying to do, so you can Google it. And when you look long-term, action's important also because your thing is only as secure as how many future transactions there are going to be that depend on it because it's a chain. So activity is the biggest question really uh, in all of this stuff. And then, you know, after that, you can optimize for other things, in my opinion. So I, I agree with that. But, you know, the L2 thing is, is cool. Uh, we got crypto for it. All right. So we, here's the deal. Like we have had this really good conversation. We're going pretty long. Famously, uh, Michael is a husband and a father. I am that. Rob is a husband. So I don't want to go on too much longer, even though I love this. So let's get some questions in. Okay. If you got a question um, uh, for the Enable yeah. Lab uh, guys, better ask it now because you are never going to get another chance because this is ending very soon. Crypto Ferd. Middle of March, uh, I have a quick question. Oh, boom. Piv, hit it. Um, Michael, there, we haven't said too much about that, but you to take part in uh, the app, you need a, a non a non chain Kevin, um, and there are not that many. There are two thousand, I think. Uh, so it's a, it's an NFT with real utility. But how how do you see evolve that for the on chain Kevins? Because yeah, on one. Yeah, you're, you're talking about like scale. How does it scale? Indeed. Yeah. Because yeah. also because it's it's really a low entry project. So if you're sure, on chain, Kevin's would go up. That's a bit contradictory, I think. So how do you see that? Yeah, evolve? yeah. No, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so uh, we are aware of that, uh, we, and we do have plans to uh, change. I'll just say uh, how it works uh, for the long term. Um, but whenever we, the reason we are slow to do that is because we don't want to make the wrong move and uh, screw over our on chain Kevin holders in the process. Whatever move that we make, we want to add to the utility of on-chain on Kevin, even if that means opening it up to non-on-chain Kevin holders. Um, like, how do we substitute, okay, we're taking away a utility, but how do we make it the trade-off even more favorable than it was before in the process? Uh, that's what we're working on and figuring out right now. But we are, uh, I mean, I will say it, we are planning on opening it up um, but whenever we do that, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be very cautious to do it. And whenever we do do it, uh, the value of holding an on-chain Kevin, uh, and 
whatever move we make will be to increase that, not to decrease it. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another thing that that's not really mentioned here is that you that it gives you access to a lot of allow lists and uh, freemans on all your projects. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so we have it where if you hold it on chain, Kevin, you're automatically added to every allow list for every collection that releases on Indelible Labs. Um, we are also opening that up to where people can pay to have a exclusive allow list. Um, and it was, again, a, something that we were hesitant to do. But uh, when we made the decision, we, uh, we eventually we decided to go ahead and uh, go forward with it after talking to our holders because we felt like any Thing that we do to add uh, collections to our platform, like any anything that like removes a barrier, is advantageous for on-chain Kevin holders, and so uh, we wanted to have something that was like uh, not an easy decision, you know. So it's 0.5 ETH, and you can have an exclusive allow list. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not like an easy, okay, I, w I don't want on-chain Kevin holders on it, right? But it makes it to where people who do want an exclusive allow list have that option. And then um, by just bringing more attention to the platform, uh, the idea there would be that it, that it adds to the value of, an on of holding an on-chain Kevin and... Uh, and so that, that offsets that um, that removed, I guess, utility. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm in shock because I own so many of these things, and I was planning that I was going to retire based on the fact that no, I think it's I think it's a good move, and I think uh, you're right. I think the epic legacy of on-chain Kevin's uh, Willowbond, and, and especially if you have the rarest one, the only one in one of the collection, you're probably Fine. Any more questions? You will never <laughs> yeah. get a chance ever, ever. What? Oh, never. You're, you're, you know everything. Oh, there are fifty people in this space. They all know everything. Wow. We must. Yo, be... I'll, I'll hop in. Yes. Thank you. I'll, Do I'll, it. I'll, Hit it. I'll hop in. Hey, um, Michael, Rob. Um, I just wanted to quickly say uh, if I can end off with a, an endorsement because we're basically an Indelible Labs project. We came out of there. And if I can give people some context on what our experience was, um, I think it might help more people kind of get some idea of how easy and helpful these folks are. We always wanted to, we're a utility-based uh, project, so that's to address again the question that came up before, can an indelible labs project have utility essentially? But we're, we're basically in a utility-based project, but we wanted to drive in some in like intrinsic value for our NFTs. And I just felt like, being on chain was the answer but when we were speaking to a lot of developers before to get this on chain we were either hit with like it's too expensive or they just didn't know how to do it so when we came across indelible labs and just kind of saw the mechanism and how simple it was on the back end and how responsive everyone was in the discord as well and, and helping it was just like the, the process was amazing and to be able to like give our holders the ability to mint um an on-chain piece which they can just kind of like 
you know, in a couple of years' time, um, just appreciate on its own outside of the utilities that we're bringing to the arts and the film sector. It just kind of like, I think it's just great for the long game. And I appreciate everything that, you know, the Indelible Labs folks have done for our project anyway. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to end off with, a, with an endorsement. Our whole, our whole experience with Indelible Labs has been amazing. And I think it also helps because when we do future airdrops, We'll be doing on-chain airdrops exclusively because I see I see a lot of value there. Um, so yeah, that's that's my two cents. Hell yeah, appreciate that. First ever, uh, I'll plug your your project. Tone, Tonal Muse, the first ever musical instrument NFT collection stored on uh, ETH, stored on the blockchain and um, tonalmuse.com. So yeah, check that out and great great to, to hear your your experience. Thank you for for that. Who else? Who else? No dead air. I'm just going to keep, uh, come on. CryptoFird said hey. something. Espresso, you're back in the game. What do you got? Hey, I just want to second that endorsement. Um, using Indelible uh, Labs was was an amazing experience. Uh, I'm so happy that I found the platform and, and happy to be a on-chain Kevin holder. Uh, absolutely love it. So thank you for, for providing it for us creators. Hell yeah. That means a lot. I appreciate it. Echo that for sure. Indelible Labs is huge. I haven't like used it personally, but just seeing so many people be able to use it is really cool. Um, I don't have a question per se, um, but yesterday I want to give a shout out to the Edge Files project, which I'm not sure if that's indelible or not. But the Edge Files... Um... It is indelible. Oh, amazing. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about the Edge Files. They have been minting. It's a very, very cool project, and I'm only shilling for them... Uh, I don't. Uh, I know the people who are in charge of it. They're very cool. With their community funds, they purchased um, a one-of-one one work of art from me, and I think that that is a very cool thing for them to have done. I'm very appreciative uh, of that, and their whole community is like very much love to the Edge Files team, the Edge Files community, and Indelible for uh, being able to facilitate that. Love it. Love it. Support artists. Dove, I'm a collector of Dove's one-on-ones uh, as well. And um, and so, yeah, so, yeah, just to, to wrap things up then, unless someone's about to talk, in which case I'm down, you know, I want to give people the chance because when has ever there been a time, you know, when someone has said, oh, are there any questions? And then someone said, oh, I have a question. Like, it never happens. You really have to, like, just hammer the point home. Cryptoford, are you jumping up here? Or do you have a question? Fine. Either way, it's fine. I'll start wrapping it up. This has been an amazing episode. I have um, followed these guys pretty closely for a while. I remember I first met them when uh, they were tweeting about on-chain Kevin and some of the technological advances uh, that it had made and how it was changing the game because it was, you know, a new approach to rendering, you know, on-chain graphics, basically, on-chain images, basically. And, you know, as is traditional in the Web3 space, when I first saw it, I checked the contract hastily and immediately jumped to the conclusion uh, that what they were doing was actually not good and they didn't know what they were talking about because that's what always you have to do in the Web3 space. But then I looked closer and I realized they were right and they really were changing the game. And uh, on March 31st, I have to look at the tweet now, I bought a uh, really still expensive on-chain Kevin, uh, but I was proving a point. And I said, um, you know, the my thesis is that uh, as other projects adopt this technique that was pioneered on chain Kevin, demand for the original will rise. Little did I know that it would literally become true that the demand would rise because people would have to use the on chain Kevin's utility token. But anyway, I've been following these guys for a while. It's been amazing to see what uh, their pursuits have blossomed into. 
And, um, you know, we're still early. So you can all consider yourself very lucky to be able to watch this and extremely lucky to hear the final question of the night from CryptoFerd. Big pressure. What do you got? Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Um, so going back to the previous, uh, can you guys hear me? I just want to make sure. Yes. Okay, good. Because I've been having all kinds of tech problems. I'm driving right now and trying to connect. It's terrible. Um, the last previous space you guys had, we were talking about the uh, the dupe, the dubious dupes. Um, I was wondering if you said that you might have had a solution to that. Did you already cover that? I, I was a little late to the space, so. Oh, yeah, you're on the road trip. We discussed this in DMs. Uh, we didn't cover this. So, yeah, this was, and it's kind of out of scope a little bit for it, but I, I think it is interesting as a technology thing, and it is about available. So this was a question that came up in the previous pod where the idea of dupes came up. And Indelible Labs has done a bunch of stuff, and I've worked on some stuff with them to help you deal with dupes. But the broader question, a big different question arises when you are trying to do a derivative collection and you have the same attributes as the original collection and you don't want to have any overlap between yours and the original collection. And that's a trickier thing to do than normal dupe detection because, you know, typically, you know, you have to detect dupes within your collection. And so if your collection is 5,000 things, then you have to look at 5,000 uh, tokens to make sure they're not dupes. But if you have the original in it, say Moonbirds, for example, then that's 10,000 originals plus your 5,000. Now it's 15,000. And so is there a way of detecting dupes more effectively for a preset collection of, um, you know, uh, tokens that you are, um, you know, making a derivative of, you know, a way of doing it that is more effective than the sort of dupe sweeping technique of having to spot these things in the while and re-roll them uh, or not. And um, I was just looking into this and, um, you know, what I was thinking about, and tell me what you guys think about this, but, you know, my belief is on this, that dupe detection you know, is a lot easier if you uh, know about all the tokens you're considering in advance, right? Like in this case, you would know the 10,000 Moonbirds tokens and what they are before anyone minted uh, anything. And that's because you can, if you know all the tokens, you can put them in an order. And if you have the tokens in an order, you can sort of treat it as like an array basically and use like a binary search or something like this to find out whether a new token uh, is present in that existing array. But that relies on the ability of, of to put tokens in order. And when you are minting a new collection, the tokens are not going to come out in any specific order. But if you have an old collection, you can load it in, you know, but it's still going to be quite expensive to, to do that, to load all the data in for the, for the thing. But I think that, I don't know, this is uh, it's late in the episode, but I, I am very interested in this question, but um, I don't know, putting it, it to, it to the be, labs guys. It could be like um, heavy on the, uh, like on the server that would be doing this, but I wonder if there's a way that you could like run through prime numbers um, and keep changing the prime numbers in the linear congruential generator um, like until you get no matching dupes in what it spits out versus the collection you're checking against. And then you do all that ahead of time so that you know the prime numbers you're feeding, the collection won't uh, result in dupes, maybe? Maybe there's something yeah, there? 
I think there's, uh, yeah, I think that that makes. I mean, if you're doing the LCG approach, then yeah, you can. Uh, you're you're not only you're you're with the LCG approach, right? You're not looking at probability of dupes. Then in the end, you're looking at, you know, there's just an exact number of dupes. So in the version of the site now that I was just playing with before the show, it still shows you the probability. But if you have the LCG, yeah, I think if you're doing it that way, then yeah, you can kind of vary that um, or vary the offset. Um, but yeah, I was thinking of it as you know how in your code when there is a uh, a re-roll, right? You set the extra data, you kind of re redo it again. And um, I was thinking that that code could also efficiently check for um, for yeah. whether that thing had been minted in the previous collection because you could have the ordered, all the tokens in order. But I think of the LCG approach, yeah, I think that if you're doing that, which presets want... the thing, I think that's a better way to do it. Yeah, I just, yeah. It would just be like, uh, it'd be interesting. I, I will I wonder how heavy that would be. Can I just um, quickly jump in on what we did with the dupe situation on our end? Um, sure. It was interesting because I, when we were minting, we, it was showing on the back end that we had, depending on the probabilities we set, that there was a range of like, you know, 10 dupes to all the way to about 60 dupes. And we just kept trying to re-roll or re to change the probabilities until we hit a point where we thought, why don't we just bake in some doppelgangers into the collection? And we kind of like decided to embrace like 1% doppelgangers in the, in, the, in the collection, which would have their own utility in the sense that if we do raffles and things like that, if you have a dupe, if one of the dupe wins the raffle, the other dupe like joins in and wins the raffle as well. So we just thought we'd like add utility and embrace the, the dupe. It's almost like something that gave us an idea. Almost. So that was like kind of an interesting thought as well. Ah, uh, yes. The classic question, are dupes good? Are they fun? Um, people disagree. I do not like dupes, but people disagree and make a good, uh, you know, a, a, turn them into, into, into a positive thing. So I, I, I think that's a great, um, it's good to have two approaches where you can turn into positive thing and also where you have a way of getting rid of them if you want. I hate dupes, but, yeah, but you got to yeah. with all, But also using, uh, using LCG, though, um, you can guarantee at least that uh, we're, before, before we were doing that, we could say there might be, uh, you know, five dupes. We don't know. Uh, but now with uh, using LCG, we can say uh, these prime numbers, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's totally fine, but basically the linear congruential generator uses prime numbers to randomize uh, the, uh, it, it just, it randomizes the, uh, the different traits that are selected, but it makes it to where, you know, each, each, uh, each trait is selected exactly how many times you want it to. Uh, so it's like controlled randomness basically. And, uh, using that, uh, we, we can now make it where, uh, you can refresh the prime numbers until they result in no dupes. And then um, this is coming. Um, I'm actually working on this tonight where you can save the prime numbers. You don't even know you're doing this, but you can just say, I like the results I see. And all that's doing is saving the prime numbers used to create the randomness. And it will make it where when it actually mints that those, uh, the combos will exist 
in uh, production. They won't exist in the same place. Like it might not be token ID, you know, 20. It might be like in, in uh, when it actually mints, it might be like, you know, 205, but the combos, the combinations will be the same. Very cool. And so I guess, yeah, if you, if you vary the offset randomness, that will change the appearance of the thing, but not the, not the way it, it's actually very interesting. So yeah, this is cool stuff to come. Definitely please look at the Indelible Labs Twitter for this. I want to see this. I'm interested in this feature. As Michael says, the, uh, uh, the back-end contract thing is interesting, but it really just like, takes two seconds in comparison to the front-end thing. So I'm curious to see how this works. Thank you all so much, but a special big thank you to Michael and Rob, the Indelible Labs team, for coming in and teaching us a little about not just what's going on in NFTs today and where uh, Indelible is going and how it can help us, but teaching us a little about how we can get better, how we can get better at building, how we can get better at creating tools, at helping other people, and just getting a view inside their head. It's been great. So really appreciate it, y'all. And uh, last thing I'll just say is I'm four followers away from 5,000. So, uh, you know, just don't unfollow me. I'm not going to say follow me. I'm just going to say don't unfollow me. How dare you? But if you want to follow me, that's cool too. But this has been the Capsule 21 Podcast. Really appreciate y'all. We're here. It's every Thursday at 5 p.m. This is an exception. Hope to have these guys back on soon. And who knows, if you're out there right now and you're working on something, you know, this is, uh, we're early on. You could be uh, uh, about to become huge, so huge, in fact, that you appear on this podcast. So that's something that you can take uh, to the bank as you, uh, you know, think about your motivation and how hard you want it. Do you want to get on this podcast? You will be on this podcast. If you're listening to this, you're next. Thank you, everyone, and good night.